0: Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Why are they doing this?
1: Why are they doing this? They said when you got here the whole thing started. Who are you? What are you? Where did you come from? I think you're the cause of all this. I think you're evil. Evil! Good
0: evening and welcome to television.
1: Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hey. Oh, whoa. Whoa.
0: I'm Wayne Stellini and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Welcome to this year's Halloween special, and joining me today is horror movie buff Kendall Richardson.
1: Oh, it's spooky time. <laughs> Hello.
0: Hey, I'm Kendall. Here. Oh, Kendall, thank you for joining me. I'd be too scared to do this podcast alone.
1: Me. Me too. Me too. We're, we're, we're going to be together virtually and yeah. be safe and fine and okay and not scared of boards and and monsters and creepies.
0: No, and but you know what, things. Kendall? I've barricaded mm. the windows and doors just in case. I hope you have too.
1: I know I have. I did. I did. Yeah. Double, double checked, like triple checked even. Okay. Yes. We're safe. Secure. We're safe. <laughs> we're good. We're ready. To get into it. So, Wayne, can you please divulge to the listeners what we're going to be reviewing today?
0: Well, today's film is Alfred Hitchcock's 1963 classic, The Birds.
1: Please explain.
0: While shopping for a pair of lovebirds as a birthday gift for his school-aged sister, Kathy, Veronica Cartwright, at a San Francisco pet store, lawyer Mitch Brenner, Rod Taylor, recognises socialite Melanie Daniels, Tippi Hedren, And plays a practical joke on her. Not to be outdone, Melanie discovers that Mitch spends every weekend at his family home in Bodega Bay, California and sneaks into his dwelling with a pair of caged lovebirds for Kathy. Mitch spots Melanie as she makes her escape and goes to her assistance when she is attacked by a seagull. Smitten with one another, Melanie and Mitch begin a coy courtship but are threatened by a series of unprovoked bird attacks that coat the picturesque Bodega Bay in feathers. And blood. Partially based on a true story, as well as Daphne du Maurier's 1952 novella, Alfred Hitchcock's follow up to 1960's Psycho received mixed reviews upon its initial release. In more recent years, the film cannot distance itself from Hitchcock's bastardization of Hedron throughout production, but remains one of the Master of Suspense's most appreciated films. So, Kendall, did you flock to the birds? <laughs>
1: Did I flock? Did I fly? Uh... Fly, my
0: pretties. Did you
1: fly? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, no. Look, I was super excited to watch this and to review this. I've never seen it. It's similar to our one of our previous Halloween specials when we did Psycho. I had not seen that one before. Uh, and that was my first exposure to Hitchcock as well. And so to to do this, to do the birds, to return to Hitchcock, it's just a joy. I'm really starting to understand and appreciate his impact on cinema on the horror genre as a whole and just just how talented the man was mm. like the eye, the eye he had and the way he's able to put this together but no I really I really did enjoy watching this movie it's so funny though I have to say until the first seagull attacks mm. uh, Melanie I forgot I was watching the birds I thought I was watching (laughs) some kind of romantic drama and I was loving that though yeah like I was the like half an hour or so lead up to the actual birds beginning to do their evil thing was just so well done that if any other filmmaker had attempted to do it it would not be that good Mm -hmm. for i think like i mean maybe but like but it's just in horror films like in the horror genre in the suspense genre you know you don't really most films are like 90 minutes 100 minutes max you know they're very refined very let's get to the money shot let's Mm -hmm. get to our monster right they don't build our characters and build a story within the first like half an hour before you get to the beasts like that doesn't, that doesn't happen, and Hitchcock does this, and I was still kept in. Like I, I part of me was wondering, I'm like, oh, okay, like this is you know this is something I wasn't expecting, and I and I did find it very funny that for a movie titled The Birds about uh, birds that attack, you know, we open in a pet store <laughs> with birds. Like yes. I really, I really liked that a lot but yeah i did i did it, the seagull brought me back to oh mm. crap i'm watching i'm watching the birds i'm not watching well i'm not just watching uh, mitch and melanie fall in love even though i was very much enjoying their on-screen relationship and the development of that connection that they had but yeah but no once once we got into the birds of it all yeah, I really I really liked it. Like this is yeah, this is really just a fantastic film, I think. Wayne what what were your initial kind of takeaways? Had you seen this before?
0: Yeah, I'd seen the Birds actually a few times, and this is the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw, and I saw it as a kid. The second wow. Hitchcock movie I ever saw was Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> so I so you and I flipped our experiences. The worst. Of Hitchcock. I do have to say, though, there were quite a few years between my first watching of The Birds and my first watching of Psycho. So for a while, The Birds was the only Hitchcock movie I ever knew. And I do have to say, I loved it as a kid. Uh, Just thought it was scary I thought it was very on the edge I couldn't believe the extravagant boat attacks that happen throughout the film because you know they escalate as they go on the seagull swooping down and attacking Melanie is that little tease and then it just builds and builds and builds and there's some really iconic scenes here Mm. um, which we'll no doubt talk about a bit later on. But yeah, no, I think it's a really uh, good movie. I do have to say, I think it's one of Hitchcock's stronger films that I have seen. I do, I do like it a lot. My only critique of the film is, I feel like the pacing is a bit sluggish to begin with.
1: Yeah, so, that's fair.
0: You know, I really appreciate the investment into the characters especially Melanie and Mitch because they're they're likable characters I love the way they have this sort of flirtatious but almost standoffish antagonistic uh, relationship they're both playing the same game but neither want to acknowledge that they're playing it Uh, they both want to be out on top and yet they still have these flaws as well they're actually quite fully fleshed out characters yeah and I think even when we look at Mitch's family his mother Lydia and his sister Kathy they've even got some depth for characters I think Lydia especially the fact that she's this overbearing protective mother of Mm. Mitch and you know there's that gorgeous scene where she's in bed because she's had a nasty shock After witnessing something Mm. and Melanie is uh, attending to her and she's quite vulnerable. I think that that just shows so much depth and you don't really get depth like that for supporting characters, especially those who are, if they're just two dimensional characters, serve as an obstacle to our central couple falling in love. Because that's how she's presented. That's how Lydia is Mm. at the beginning. She even Mm. has this reputation. She's talked about in a negative way. No woman is good enough for her boy, Mitch. And yeah. And so at first you think that she's just there to be somebody who will rag all over Melanie. But she's more than that. And I think that she's Mm. a really well-written character because she's not likable for me. She has to own it. (laughs) She owns her likability. Yeah. But she does it because of what she goes through and when mm. she's allowed to be vulnerable. And I think that that's quite lovely. So uh, yeah, there are moments, you're right, it's not really a, a conventional horror movie. It's not the sort of horror movie that would be made these days um, because no. we don't tend to be that patient for that. So where my critique in terms of the beginning, maybe you know, the first act is a little bit sluggish, does have to involve the Melanie and Mitch courtship. Because whilst it's lovely, I think there are some things that could have been left on the cutting room floor. Like because sure. it, it like it literally shows every single step.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know,
0: of that courtship of, of Melanie finding out where he lives, visiting his apartment discovering where he is on the weekends and why he's not there. And, you know, like it literally shows every single step. And yeah. I, and I feel like just that opening suffers a little bit because of it.
1: No, that's that's fair. Yeah.
0: In saying that, if you're patient, for lack of a better word, if you're patient enough to to go through that, because it's not like you have to endure it or anything, it's so beautifully done. It's so pretty to look at. It's framed Mm -hmm. beautifully. The colour is gorgeous. Set design, costuming, light, everything is beautiful. So Mm -hmm. you will get enjoyment out of it. And there's always something nice to look at because even the natural scenery is beautiful. So if, you know, you're happy to ride along with that, you will be rewarded because it means that you will care more about Melanie and Mitch when we get to the final act, Mm. it means that you believe their rapid love story more Mm. Mm -hmm. because we know that there is this initial attraction and they go through a lot just to sort of try to outdo each other. And, you know, Mitch inviting Melanie to stay for dinner and talking her into it and her lying about it, about she's there because she would normally be there. She doesn't want to admit she was there to follow him. So it's, it's, it's beautifully done. Again, for mm. me, it just goes a bit too long. But mm-hmm. in saying that, uh, it's not like I can really fault the movie for it because, again, we've invested so long with them and so much in them that it it's rewarding at the end because they're, yeah. you care about them. There's so much investment in them. Yeah. But when that gull hits Melanie, here we go. <laughs> here it's,
1: we go. It
0: is good. And it's such a gorgeous tease because mm. it's... A very freakish thing to happen it's not like it's a magpie (laughs) that will swoop for you it's just done so yeah it's i think i think it's a slow bone it is and when it ignites it ignites but Mm -hmm. i feel like you do have to have these slight reveals and the best horror movies do it you know they they show you a little bit because they need to hook you they tease you and then they give you more and then they give you more. And so then when it goes batshit crazy, it doesn't feel sudden or out of nowhere. You believe it because it's an escalating tension. Mm-hmm. So am I a fan of The Birds? Absolutely. I think it's such a great film. I think the production values are amazing. I think the story is really good. I think it's superbly acted and it's always stunning to look at. So, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think the story, this overall story is pretty good and Mm. i think there's yeah a lot of investment in it but um Mm -hmm. yeah but kendall like in terms of its pacing and and things like that because you know you said that it sort of began and you kind of forgot that you were watching a scary movie about killer birds really (laughs) (laughs) you know um it's it feels like a love story and like oh here we go but the the way it's it's structured works for you
1: yeah no you you, kind of make a point about the pacing I think because there are a lot of shots when Melanie's doing her digging into how to best quote unquote prank Mitch Mm. back there's a lot of scenes with like little to no dialogue of her just driving or her getting on the boat and stuff and there's a lot of that that probably could be tightened up Mm. or shortened that would maybe bring it along at a better pace than Mm. what it is I mean, it, it is the very much the definition of slow burn, but it's such a good feeling when you're rewarded for your patience. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, like I would love to have seen the beginning, the whole like opening like half an hour, definitely tightened up in the spots. Hmm. They could have even done, I mean, I'd, maybe a montage of sorts to show, as you said, the steps of her going through what she's doing mm. definitely could have brought it in a bit more. But it's kind of also nice, like there's this, there's so many pros and cons to it because yeah. apart from being, being rewarded in the second half of the film or, you know, for the majority of the film, it really does help to kind of, like you said, kind of sell this connection between the two of them, mm-hmm. their feelings for each other. And so when the stakes are as high as they get at the end, you're there with your characters and you're caring about them and you, you know, you're invested completely and it's just horrific when certain things happen, but it's just so interesting that this movie, whilst I, I kind of love what it does with the story. Mm -hmm. It does tonally, it does feel like two different films in one, Mm -hmm. I think because once the birds do start appearing more and more and more and attacking more and more, the tone, definitely shifts for me from this like romantic drama, as I alluded to earlier, to this suspenseful, shocking tale about birds attacking for no reason. So you could definitely split it into two stories. Like I feel like there could be an an edit of this movie that could cut out most of the first half an hour. Mm. And then just get to the nitty gritty. But if Hitchcock wanted to do that, I'm sure he would have done that. Yeah. And I have not read the novella that Daphne Du Maurier published. So I'd be really curious to see how much of this two hour film is true to the novella and to whatever parts are drawn from real life as well, just in terms of the story to see what could maybe have been removed or if anything was added to bulk it out. Because, you know, a lot of films that were made back in the 50s and 60s were a lot longer than they are now. Yeah. So yeah. like you said, they wouldn't make a movie like this now, like mm. a horror film like this now. It's going to be a horror film. You'll maybe get five, ten minutes of this this romance at yeah. the beginning and then you get into your monster. So, Do you know how they
0: would have made yeah. it, I think, these days, Kendall, if they were to remake it? I think that they would have, you're right, spent like maybe – 10, 15 minutes with Melanie and Mitch, and mm. they would have them as an already established couple. And maybe yes. she is going to Bodega Bay to meet his family for the first time. They would have been something yeah. like that. So we could still get all of that. You know, we would get the relationship, but then on the other hand, we lose the 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 tenacity of both characters we lose the the courtship
1: absolutely Uh, you know one of the things
0: I think that is strong about because yeah it's I'm in such two minds about the opening as I as I said it's it's my really only critique of the film is the pacing of the opening but I understand why Hitchcock made the decisions he made because they make sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though I'm not You know, I I don't always think it it works for me as a viewer. Story-wise, I absolutely get it because we learn so much about Melanie. By going through all of those steps, we then believe the steps she goes through once she's in Bodega Bay by befriending Annie, by making up a story that they go way back, by being so, you know, upfront- to ask about where Kathy lives. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. stuff you don't do these days. Oh, yeah, the little gush was down the road.
1: <laughs> well, like, I mean, so of its time, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, watching, I'm watching her call up her, uh, uh, was it Was it her dad or was it a contact at the paper?
0: Yeah, it felt like maybe? it, it might have been her dad directly, but if not, yeah. a, a contact at the paper, yeah, where he was. Yeah, works,
1: yeah. And, and she's like, can you just, you know, call the DMV and get me the address of this Mm. license? I'm like, I'm sorry? Mm -hmm. No, that doesn't happen. (laughs) The fact that she walks in to the bloody house helps herself through the door just to drop off these birds. I yeah. don't care. No. Like it was so like, why isn't the door locked? You know, <laughs> what's going on here? Like, and and then just the way the townsfolk at Bodega Bay are just so casual with their information and how Annie is just so welcoming of Melanie, which yeah. I love. Like, yeah. I really, like, I, I really loved the scene where, you know, where Melanie's staying the night and they're they're in the lounge room, they're smoking and they're drinking and they're having their girls chat. And I, I fucking love that scene. Yeah, it's um, gorgeous. Quite a bit. I really did. But then I'm thinking back in back of my mind, I'm like, there is no way this woman, after knowing the city city person, really, you know, even though she's come from the city, but, but you know, just this person who, yeah, she may be a socialite and she may be kind of known in the public eye, but like, at the same time she's a stranger like why would Mm. you you know but then she's she's advertising a room for rent so you're gonna have strangers coming in anyway so it's yeah but like this there's all these little things that just kind of happen in this first half an hour or so Mm. that make you go they if they were remaking this today none of all of that would have to be reworked rewritten adapted and like you said we'll start the movie in bodega bay they're already together and we're on Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I think also one of the things, like how you said that, you know, everyone is, the the locals are so open to her. They are in terms of information, but at the same time, she is so much of an outsider because she's walking around Mm. in that fur coat um, looking incredibly glamorous because tippy Hedron is gorgeous. Oh,
1: my Uh, God. You can
0: definitely see why she was such a popular model at the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And... Yeah, they, they, they're happy to say, oh, you know, go here. I can help you this and that and the other. But at the same time, I've always felt that the locals treat Melanie with suspicion. There are moments when people just seem to be eyeing her off because she is so clearly yeah. the outsider. And it does lend into a typical horror trope that when an outsider, normally from the big city, comes to a small town they bring trouble with them and that the outsider is always associated with trouble a peaceful town and suddenly trouble begins you know Mm. we've got that um distraught mother who blatantly says it in the in the diner and obviously that's just she's being traumatized because she's getting nervous by people talking the way they're talking. She's fearful of her children. She makes an anxious exit but can't get very far because she's back because the birds have started attacking Mm. and yeah. And it's a small town. Everyone knows everyone. So if you're an outsider, if you're new to the area, people will identify you. So like I found that that's interesting that whilst people are happy to help because it's that small town hospitality, because, you know, in a small town, everyone knows everybody, uh, she's still met with suspicion. So it's a fine balancing act. Um, True. You know, if you look at it deeper, you just kind of are wondering about their motivations to be so open with information, but mm-hmm. yet to somebody they don't fully trust. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're just curious. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe they're more just curious of her, you know, or maybe they're just impressed by her because she's obviously quite glamorous and they're humble.
1: Yeah. Her. Well, I mean, the movie opens before as we're walking into the pet store. Hmm. She gets, you know, wolf whistled, cat called by yes. by a passerby, and so for me that kind of established a tone of because she's drop dead fucking gorgeous. Like, <laughs> yeah, my god. I know I've never seen this movie, but. I've been sleeping on Tippi Hedren this entire time. She's (laughs) stunning. Absolutely stunning. But I feel like it establishes this tone of, because, you know, you watch a lot of the men when she Mm. goes to Bodega Bay are looking at her, like she's walking past and they're following her um, a lot of the time. (laughs) And so my brain, and I don't know if it's because I'm, this is from the female perspective, maybe. I don't know, maybe that's why I'm interpreting it this way as well. But just kind of, I felt like maybe the catcall thing was there for a reason to make us go okay she's not only is she an outsider like you say but she's also very glamorous glamorous like you say mm. too and and people are kind of looking at it. and especially because like I love that moment where because I love the like the shopkeeper's so happy and very kind to help mm. her and he books the boat for her and everything and she goes down and you know and says you know boat for Daniels and I just love the way the look on the ship captain's face essentially like the guy at the dock Mm. his face is just just he's just helping her but he seems bewildered by (laughs) by this beautiful woman and why she wants to rent a boat to go to the other side of the bay like it's yeah I love the little it's so it's all kind of very I don't know nuanced in ways just like you can interpret it in a lot of different ways and yeah, I don't know. It's just all, it's all done very expertly, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it, it almost feels like that certain elements of the role was tailored for Tippi Hedren. That, that um, cat call, that wolf whistle at the beginning, I believe mm-hmm. it's actually an in-joke. To, oh. Yeah, as a reference to a commercial that Tippi was in where she gets wolf ah, whistled. But, okay. how, but it works so well because of how Melanie is looked upon. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it might just be a cheeky nod to her career as a model,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but models are glamorous. You've got a glamorous woman front and center of this film. Mm-hmm. You believe that Tippy Hedron would stop traffic. <laughs> it all <laughs> makes would. sense, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not Can such I... a surprise that people are so open with their information to Melanie Daniels.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's another thing. Yeah. But can I say one other thing about, like, if this movie was remade today, there is no way she'd be, like, flattered by (laughs) Not in 2021. She'd she'd be like, excuse me?
0: (laughs) It's where she gives this sort of, like, little cheeky bashful smile, doesn't she? Very
1: cute. Yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it. Whilst it, it doesn't, you know, work today, but back for back then the way she took it on the shoulder and was like yeah i do look good don't i yeah. you know like it was just it was nice all in a day <laughs> all in a day <laughs> all a day for me socialite yeah. melanie daniels
0: yeah well i mean to have such a lovely leading lady you need a very handsome leading man and we mm-hmm. have rod taylor as mitch brenner what were your thoughts on yeah. him
1: i really liked him yeah like i mean in every scene the two of them. I mean, I was always looking at, at Tippy Hedren. I was always looking at Melanie. But I loved Brad Taylor's performances, Mitch, mm-hmm. from from the start of the film to the end. Yeah, I, I can't even single out a favorite performance. I was I was just thinking to myself, is he my favorite? And I'm like, I don't even think I can pick a favorite because you, you you know you said it earlier, like the performances are just top notch, really in this you know they're very well acted in this film no surprises but yeah mitch is such a a great character the scenes of (laughs) of mitch and melanie back and forth back and forth Mm. with their banter and their wisecracks and my favorite scene actually between the two of them was when melanie's in the car and she's about to drive away and he's confronting her on what's real and what's not and Mm -hmm. the truths and the lies of what she said and all this, and it all comes out. And you know, and they're talking about the whole fountain incident in Rome. Yes. She was pushed in. Yes. Uh, quite embarrassed about. Yeah. And she was like, No, I have my clothes. Like, you were naked. I have my clothes. On. Like, I loved the whole thing and the way she like ended the, uh, the so-called quote unquote argument with a reference to wanting to be naked in a fountain or something. I, I can't remember the exact line now, but, but I just love that. And she speeds off and I'm like, that's, that was a great scene. Like it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was, it was moments like that. That is why I said I was really enjoying the opening half an hour because we had a, so many great character moments and I just love the way Mitch And Melanie bounce off each other and Rod and Tippy just have such natural on-screen chemistry you really believe their feelings for each other you know even after only knowing you know they've only known each other for a day or two really and it's so believable
0: yeah well you you do believe that it is a love at first sight I mean although not really at first sight because he had seen her before because she's working through some trouble for a practical joke that led to a broken window yeah <laughs> like a lawyer there and he's like oh you know she's this wealthy pain in the ass and I'm gonna show her and I'm gonna play this joke on her
1: <laughs> it was great I love that too
0: yeah but you know what it's kind of like the jokes they play on each other only rich people play those types of jokes on each other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people who are you know so smug and wealthy <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah, no, that's that's true. And I feel like Melanie is someone who has a lot of time on her hands.
0: Well, she um, yeah, and she and has can to get a, away with this. Yeah, because she goes through what her working week, what her week is like. You know, oh I do this and I volunteer here, I, you know, have a meeting here and I, you know, study this. So she's saying, Well, this is how I do I'm not just this sort of layabout because daddy is incredibly wealthy. Yeah. So, you know, she's trying to I feel like she's always just trying to not justify her her purpose in the world, but just trying to be like, well, I am my own woman mm. you know and and mm. I think that we do see a, a character strength develop throughout because it's you know no pun intended fight or flight when you're in this type of situation yes. <laughs> and the fact is that like yeah, her breaking into the house to leave lovebirds just to as really as like an I told you so I mean. I mean, who can be bothered to be honest I know. <laughs> so All much effort yeah i mean because let's face it if you know they're both involved in this in this court case over this broken window they're going to see each other again so i think she always wants to come out on top before the next time <laughs> you know she sees she's like oh you know i, I will beat you at, at whatever you feel like that these are two people who always get their way her especially. Yes. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, you come from money. You It's easier to get out of things because you're in a high society and mm-hmm. you can see that with Melanie. But you don't think that somebody like her could live in a small town like Bodega Bay. And you know that it's not where Mitch lives, but he's there over the weekend to spend time with his family. Mm-hmm. This is an era where people work Monday to Friday, nine to five and that's it. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's, it's believable that why wouldn't he go away for the weekend, right? He's he's not married, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have you know wife and, and children to look after in San Francisco. So he's mm. going to, to visit mum and sister. So like it all makes sense. But yeah. you know, you know, but if he and Melanie are falling are falling in love. I don't know if he really fits in her high society. But by the end of the film, you definitely believe that she could fit into his more humble side of living uh, Mm -hmm. without her having to give up too much. And she has to prove herself throughout this film because, like I've said, she is met with suspicion by some people or curiosity who don't quite know who, who they're seeing or what they're getting. And she's also met with hostility from Mitch's mother, Lydia, played by the wonderful Jessica Tandy.
1: Mm. and
0: as i said at the top of the show you know i don't think lydia is a very likable character it takes a while to warm up to her but once you understand why she is the way she is and when she finally accepts melanie it's quite a beautiful character arc i think it's probably one it's probably my favorite character arc actually is lydia's because she just begins so unlikable for me and then i i really sympathize with her and her relationship with melanie comes full circle because Melanie is there looking after her, after the shock that Lydia has when she sees Dan Fawcett's body in that stunning reveal, absolute stunning reveal. And then at the end, after Melanie is attacked by the birds upstairs, she's there being embraced and looked after by Lydia. So it's, again, full circle. Both are accepting of one another. Both love Mm -hmm. Mitch. Both have been good to Kathy. They're on the same page here. Mm. But I will just sidetrack because I'm talking about the wonderful Jessica Tandy, her reaction to seeing Dan Fawcett's body. What did you think about that sequence,
1: Kendall? Oh, my God. It was great. Mm. It Like I'm kind of speechless a little bit by it. There's a lot of moments in this movie where, where the horror element comes in
0: Mm. and
1: it feels fresh. It feels Mm. modern almost like, like, it's like I said at the top, you can absolutely see why Hitchcock is Hitchcock, why people revere him and respect him and, and follow his work the way they do, because he's really kind of set the standard for these kinds of scenes because it was such a, yeah, just I don't know. I can't. I'm. I am honestly speechless because it was great. You know the fact that she she goes in and you know when we get the reveal of him on the floor. At first, I was like, "Why?" Well, I, I I physically reacted. Mm-hmm. Like I jumped. I jumped a bit and I gasped and and then I immediately thought to myself, "My, like, I swear it said this film was rated PG." But that, <laughs> was, that was anything but PG. Um,
0: the makeup because, effects were you- fantastic, weren't they? Oh,
1: my God. The, I was so I was so impressed. The blood, the way they did that, but it was his face and the fact that his yeah. eyes were missing and the way that they, they managed to make that look. Oh, my God. It was so <clears throat> impressive. And then, you know what I really, really like, and it's not just about this scene, but it's about this entire film, the way Hitchcock uses sound.
0: I was going to say about Um, this scene specifically, but go on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because there's no score in this movie and the actors are kind of, I don't know if it's a direction from him or if it's a creative license from the actors themselves, but there's not a lot of squealing and screaming and Mm. howling and fussing about. And for some reason to me in in, in moments and especially this one, most importantly, I think it's the most effective the way that Lydia reacts mm. and doesn't make a sound, the, her voice is gone. Yep. She's that shocked. And I think it's that much more effective because mm. of the decision not to have her screaming in hysterics. Like yeah. you do get moments of them later on when of things are, are building up and getting more intense where this you know, screaming is definitely warranted. But here I just, the way that it just, completely affects her physically to the point where she cannot verbally express anything and just runs with her mouth hanging open white as a sheet. It's just, and hats off to Jessica Tandy for pulling that off. I mean, of course she can pull it off. She's a legend after Mm. all, but I was just, yeah, it was, it was so great. Like it was just, it was just (laughs) so well done. Yeah. yeah,
0: Everything about that sequence is absolute perfection yeah. So, I mean, bre- let's break it up step by step. This is why I love it. So, one of the main sequences before that is when the sparrows invade the Brenner oh, household, right?
1: Can I say I love that moment? Yes. It's so yes. good. Oh, but
0: one of the things we see after they clear out, and you've got <laughs> like the cop who is just so blasé about everything. Um, I know. And, and Lydia is shaken up because her house has been destroyed. They make yeah. an emphasis on her picking up broken crockery cups and saucers and plates and, and things like that. Yeah. She arrives at Fawcett's house and the first moment she stops, she slowly looks over to see these cups hanging. They're all broken.
1: broken. It's
0: so <laughs> beautiful. Because we're linking it. She's uneasy because she's remembering from the night before. And we're linking it too. And she has that long walk down the hallway. Yeah. We see, you know, the the feet with rivers of blood. Subtle though. Mm. Mm -hmm. Then we cut for a bit of a long shot. Like you said, no sound, no score. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: Chop in, Mm. chop in tighter. Yeah. Cut to Lydia again, no sound reaction, out to the car, home, the way the tension builds. And it doesn't end at his reveal of laying there dead with eyes plucked out, birds caught in glass, dead on the mattress. These visual cues tell us what a frenzied attack it was. The sequence is ingenious and so many things come into play. the way it's framed, the way it's performed, the makeup, the set dressing, the puppetry, just mm. yeah chef's kiss, chef's kiss people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that somebody like Jessica Tandy had the job to command that scene because mm. it's all horror. Everyone yeah. plays their part. Don't get me wrong but she has to sell it yep. because there isn't a, an instrumental or anything like that to arouse your anxiety, to make you feel scared. There aren't the psycho violins here. There's nothing.
1: I was literally just thinking the same thing. Like it's, it's, it's so crazy that Hitchcock goes from a couple of years before with this iconic cinematic score, right? Mm. These violins you know, over 60 years later are instantly recognisable. You know what that is. To a film that is just as good, if not better, in certain ways. And there's no score. Mm. There's no sound. Yeah. And yet you're, you're still getting that message across. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I love it so much.
0: Well, Kendall, let's talk about those sound <sighs> effects. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time, we'll, we'll chat about the visuals too. But you're mm. right, the sound effects... Are so significant in this movie. They were Mm -hmm. experimental at the time, probably groundbreaking, the way a film is, for lack of a better word, scored. (laughs) Because you know the 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 score is this type of what electronic? Like, I don't know. You know better than I do about about sound and music than I do, Kendall. But like there's the way that the audio is used. Mm. to underscore what's happening i love how you mentioned that through quite a number of the attacks especially that that sparrow scene all you hear are the birds you don't hear the characters reacting or screaming or squealing they're just they're speechless through it because they're so scared so our focus is on the animalistic induced terror that is being yeah. experienced and what i love about that sparrow scene i love that we keep coming back to it by the way because it is so good <laughs> I, is. I i really like it i love yeah. that it just happens instantly it seems oh, to same. come from nowhere they're just sitting mm-hmm. down around the coffee table and we cut down to the fireplace melanie says mitch's name and before yeah. we have a moment to even think about anything Bang! The onslaught is there. Ah, oh, yeah, but it's you know, so good. it's it's a it's a great example of the use of sound, Kendall. Yeah, your overall thoughts of the sound effects and how they yeah. tied in with the visuals.
1: I got to say that yeah, it really does. The fact that the sound of these birds is really the only thing from an you know an audio sense that's really communicating to us just how terrifying the situation is for our characters. It's just all done really, really well. It did take me out of it at one point or another because sometimes Mm. the screeching and the cawing sounded like cats a little bit, a little bit to me. Like not all the time, but I I was just like, because a lot of the sound effects and a lot of the foley stuff that they're doing in the movie, you can tell it's ADR stuff. Like it's put in in post. Um, And it sounds slightly different than what it's looking like. So I just kind of accepted that with, it's the the 60s and this is what they're doing. This is how it was. So it's fine, but it it just does really work. And I love the fact that kind of like there's one scene and I can't remember, I can't remember if it was the sparrow scene. It may have been the sparrow scene or it may have been later on in the movie. But I know actually, I think it was the final big massive bird attack when they've boarded up the house yeah, and they're inside and the birds just start attacking and you can hear them screeching and clawing and and thudding and hitting Mm. everything, trying to get in. And you see the certain moments, and there's not really any dialogue, but you see certain moments where the character's lips are moving and they're they're talking to each other. You can't hear what they're saying. Right, okay. You can, it doesn't happen very often. It's like once or twice. And I'm just like, these birds are that loud and that deafening mm. that they can't hear each other speak or we can't hear the mm. hear them speak because of... So it's bringing you into the movie as well in yeah. a lot of ways. I, I definitely loved the way sound was used probably more than I loved some of the visual mm. effects in the movie. But again, if I put myself in a cinema goer from the 60s, you know, in their shoes... I imagine it would have been just terrifying to see how probably realistic in certain ways. And I think a lot of it, maybe I'm being too harsh for me, I think a lot of it is quite quite good for the time. Can I just say one one thing about the visual effects that bothered me, though?
0: Kendall, you can say whatever you like.
1: <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> You're Kendall Richardson, after all.
1: Oh, stop it now. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, one thing that bothered me, and I, and I don't know if it would have been a... Um, um, well, I imagine it's probably a case of like location filming, but there are certain scenes—not necessarily when birds are attacking—but like mm. certain scenes where you can see. Again, you probably wouldn't have noticed it back then, but now we can see when it changes from location to green screen or to matte yeah. painting background, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And sometimes it took me out of the movie because I was I was like my brain just kind of went, why was the need for that, mm. you know? But then part of me was like, oh, okay, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe the weather turned, you know, maybe yeah. filming was this or that. Uh, they couldn't, you know, hear each other or the wind was. So I'm sure they had their reasons for switching because a lot of the changes between the real place and the fake place just seemed unnecessary. So in terms of the visual effects, that was the one thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit. But apart from that, like the bird effects were surprisingly advanced in a lot of ways especially the like the puppets you mentioned like Mm. the puppet birds that they have are super effective
0: yeah i mean i'm impressed i'm impressed by the by the bird effects and look this movie is how many years old (laughs) right you know it's
1: almost 60 years old yeah yeah
0: so i am not gonna fault uh what i can tell now Because I believe that back then you you would just be so blown away by it. And you know what? The fact that there are a lot of scary and effective moments now, even though, yes, you can tell green screen, you probably can tell a puppet here or there, but it is still so terrifying and effective. says so much. I do agree with you in terms of some of the visuals, in terms of the setting. There was Mm. some moments when, they were outdoors where you could tell that it was a studio, like it was a Mm. set that bothered me. It didn't make me hate on the movie or the scene or make the scene less effective or anything, but it took me out a little bit. There's, -hmm. there's a scene where I think it's at Kathy's birthday. uh, It is when they
1: walk up on the hill.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of a bit beachy and sandy. It just looks very like just that sand and grass looks very studio for me compared to everything Mm -hmm. else. I mean, and I Mm. get it. Like studios are always better for filmmakers because you just control everything
1: yeah like exactly it's just right.
0: easier to control it's it's time efficient it's effective um mm-hmm. you know you don't have to carry camera equipment and cast and crew from one location to the other you literally walk a few meters and there's your next location completely get it so it probably would have been yeah. better to just do the whole external stuff in a studio
1: i agree yeah you know,
0: yeah you'd have your locations shots and establishing shots i get it but when you sort of switch from one to the other, it can be a little jarring, I think. But, look, overall, I like the way that sound is used in this movie. I think it's so in your face or in your ears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, nice. It's it's so intense. I think it's used with so much thought and care to mm. drive the maximum effect of terror, and I mm. actually think it works. I, it's just very clever like i'm somebody who doesn't pay attention too much to sound like and and score and soundtracks in movies it's a bit more of an incidental thing but when they're effective i notice them and i notice Mm -hmm. them in this movie in terms of the visual effects we have so many techniques to bring the story to life we've got the 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 green screen or maybe blue screen back then Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. we've got yeah puppetry and and the way light is used and editing is used quick cutaways for me it all works sometimes you can see a green screen sometimes you can tell it's a puppet I don't care it's so damn good (laughs) like it works so well for example Kendall that scene that you were talking about before that epic attack on the house where it's really really loud and Um. Mitch is getting attacked more than anyone as he's trying to push birds out oh yeah that That terrifying sequence of the the bird's beaks breaking through the front door you know and he has to border that up that's a a series of hammers (laughs) and the tips are designed to look like beaks that's how the crew did that and and how they got that splintering effect on the wood what a gorgeous technique
1: that's you so cool. Yeah.
0: You don't know that watching the film. That's something that I learned after the fact. And you know what? I love that little bit even more now knowing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> but, well done.
0: Yeah. It looks amazing. So, so much creativity has been put into the effects because if you don't buy the monster or monsters in this case, then you don't buy the terror. It becomes, mm-hmm. a, it becomes a joke. And yeah. None of the attacks are funny to me here. Regardless of if you want to argue they age well or they don't age well, I buy all of it. Mm. (laughs) I absolutely love it. So speaking of bird attacks, the money shots. Mm. We've got quite a few key bird attacks. And I have to admit when I was writing them down, and I'm talking about the boat attacks we see, not the ones implied. There's more than I thought there would be <laughs> when you consider, yeah. our, you know, that we've got a bit of a long setup and that mm-hmm. from Melanie's gull attack to the next one, it's still some distance, mm. but I'm, but I'm impressed with a number of attacks in this movie. I have to say, but we've got Melanie being attacked by the gull while she's rowing to the wharf to meet me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've got Kathy's birthday. Then the sparrows come through the fireplace. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The crows attack the kids at school. Mm. We have the epic gull attack on the town center. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Then we've got birds attacking outside the house, which we've talked a bit about. Mm -hmm. And then the final attack on Melanie upstairs. Kendall, your favorite bird attack you can pick Uh, just one my indecisive friend
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for prefacing that by saying that i am indecisive yes
0: gosh you know what though it's it's for some of these it's hard to pick but is there one that like really stood out to you especially as a first-time viewer
1: No, there, there is one. There is one. I, again, I just have to give a quick honorable mention to the sparrows through the fireplace, just because Mm. I loved, I loved the kind of jump scaredness of that scene. It was just super well done. Like you could put that scene in a modern film and it would have the same effect. Oh, it'd Um, be so
0: good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Amazing. Amazing. But luckily, thank God, I am able to choose just one. (laughs) I mean, you know, Buy your lottery tickets now, people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kendall made a choice. So (laughs) my absolute favourite has to be the crows at the school. And I know it's probably, it seems to me, maybe the most well-known scene in the movie because every time I've seen the birds talked about in popular media, I always see clips and photos of this scene. It's the cover of the DVD. It's mm. it's them running down the street. But it for me, it's not even the running down the street and being attacked and attacked. It's the setup.
0: Oh my
1: goodness.
0: Oh, <laughs> talk about tension and I know you will go for it.
1: <laughs> I, oh my god, I loved it. 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 I mean, we get, you know. <laughs> we get melanie doing the right thing going to the school Mm. to check on kathy because you know mum's very concerned after her horrific experience Mm. and i don't blame her and yeah you know she goes to the school walks in on the class the girls and the boys are all singing this very repetitive song that goes on for way too long i'm sorry uh, my only criticism it goes on too long sorry no 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 it's okay
0: reiterates the innocence of children who are about to be attacked but go on
1: <laughs> no it does no it does it does you're right it does and it also is super fucking creepy at the same yes. time. yes
0: do you know and the lyrics that's away. the important question
1: I, I blocked them from my mind um, <laughs> I don't remember it was just really re- it was repetitive but i was just like nah i don't know maybe the birds scared them away sorry go but- on i'm
0: talking on your bit go on no no it's okay <laughs>
1: You're all right but yeah i mean it's still very effective because i love the fact that well melanie decides to go outside and sit down have a have a cigarette while she's waiting and the kids keep singing and we keep getting these cuts from between Melanie and the jungle gym behind her. And one by one birds start piling up and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. (laughs) And then my favourite part of probably the whole film, (laughs) she looks up, sees this one crow flying over and she's following it, knowing the terror is coming. And then the camera, we follow Melanie's eyes and as she turns around and the jungle gym and playground is covered in crows. There's a million crows. And I lost my mind. I was like, holy shit, we're in trouble. (laughs) I, oh my God, the way Hitchcock executed that scene, the way it was shot, I love the fact that the crows you know, their malevolence, their their ominous nature is really enhanced by not only the fact that they're black, but the, the way that the black is used as like a silhouette throughout the film to give you that ominous feeling that something's not quite right with these birds. You know, it's just, it's all shot and framed so well. And just the way that they really pull the rug out from under with that reveal of dozens upon dozens upon dozens of birds where where only a minute ago there was like six mm. and i was not i was not expecting that i thought it was going to be like 20 birds covering the thing and then they were just everywhere and i was i just yeah it was brilliant and then just the way that we then continue to the tension has built and it's built and, it's built and we're holding on this massive spot and we're just waiting when is it going to happen when is the mm. moment going to happen when are the birds going to attack and they kind of let us suffer in that tension for almost five minutes yeah while the yeah. kids are being braced and prepared and then the scene of them running and oh my god no nah, just cinema gold really i can't yeah. even i can't even it was so good yeah. wayne did you want to add to anything I just said, or would you like to just tell me what your favourite moment was? Yeah.
0: No, like I agree with what you said, um, except for your comment on the song. Uh, about, <laughs> about that about that that sequence, it is so brilliant. And then Ugh. when the crows are attacking the kids, it is just so brutal. You've got that one poor little girl who falls, breaks her glasses, oh, put blood I over know. her face. It's just, yeah, it's, it's so brutal. But mm. the way it's edited is mm. amazing. These close-ups of birds attacking the kids and, yeah. um, you know, kids pushing the birds away and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if the, the build-up is subtle, scary, absolutely, like you said, on, on the playground, there's a subtlety to it, that rising tension. And then mm. when the kids start to run, absolute onslaught. And, you know, when you're attacking kids, we've got this natural instinct of just wanting to protect them. Yeah. So it's made even more aggressive. Yeah, it's such a fantastic sequence. And that image of Melanie on the bench with the crows behind her is iconic. That's my second favourite sequence in terms of the boat attacks. My favourite sequence, I think, has to be the seagulls attacking the town centre.
1: Okay, just yep. the
0: way that escalates, and you've even got that guy smoking and dropping his <laughs> match, <laughs> and lighting himself up on fire, and
1: Bonkers. yeah,
0: but it's just even the way it's edited because we cut to Melanie's reaction and she's looking one way and then cuts again and she's looking another way and then another way, almost like this sequence of cuts in slow motion. But they're not still frames. She's frozen, but looking in different spots of the town centre. We've got Melanie in the telephone box, another iconic sequence where she's in the phone box being attacked by seagulls. And at first you think, is she going there for protection? Is she going there to call help? But ultimately, it doesn't matter what she's going in there for. The sound, the visuals, the attack... The cracking glass, the birds coming her way, the thumping disorientates her so much that she's now a prisoner in this glass cage, if you will. It's such a startling scene. And just to see the town Mm. be destroyed around it. And very early on, once that fire starts at the petrol station, probably my favourite shot is this aerial view of the town having some birds attacking the people. You see Mm. this line of fire Mm. and then a seagull appears on frame and then a few more and then a few more. It's like it's an air raid attacking Mm -hmm. this innocent town. It's such a stunning shot and it's telling us about the carnage that's about to happen. I think Mm -hmm. the whole sequence is brilliant and then Mm -hmm. we end it with Melanie being rescued by Mitch from the telephone box into the diner, and mm-hmm. it's empty. It's so eerie. Everyone's out back,
1: uh,
0: cowering up against the walls. Yeah. Just not believing because they were having this discussion about these birds, and so many people were dismissive. You know, you had that, the end is nigh <laughs> drunk, who I actually yeah. found it quite funny, like played for oh, comedy same. by Carl Swenson but I have to say the sequence before that is when we've got Mrs Bundy mm. the bird expert played by Ethel Griffiths and I think she is fantastic I yeah. lo- like just my goodness did she sell that role she was like you know the expert you know how in these types of movies there's always an expert and she yeah. was she was that for this story
1: mm-hmm. and
0: She was so perfect. Like they could have used her for a lot longer as the go-to person who's always dismissive, who's then proven wrong at the end, eats humble pie. And, you know, like it could have been an entire character arc for her. We have her before the town centre attack and then we have her after the town centre attack. And Mm. I just love Ethel's performance in it. She's in there Mm. for a brief time, but my goodness, she's one of the most memorable characters for me absolutely Definitely. superb so i have mm-hmm. to say i love the town center attack and another iconic moment which isn't a bird attack but it follows the final attack which is on melanie which is absolutely terrifying terrifying to film for tippy as well yeah, but, but you've got that final sequence where mitch is going through to the car and the birds are just there And every now and then one will peck at him and then he opens the garage and then he goes back in, collects Melanie and they're there at the door. And something that's quite remarkable about the way that Hitchcock films that scene, Kendall, did you notice what happens when Mitch opens the door that final time for everyone to leave? What happens or what doesn't happen, I should say?
1: Oh, God, I'm going to feel like an idiot now. (laughs) Oh, trust me, you
0: won't, because I only know this because I've seen a documentary.
1: (laughs) Oh, all right, all right. I take back my statement. Well, I mean, aside from being another perfectly tense moment in the movie, when the doors open and when they start to come through, I really loved the way you know melanie she's kind of catatonic but then as soon as she Mm -hmm. sees the birds she kind of becomes aware of her situation and her desperation to get out of it but then the birds none of them attack them there's just birds everywhere and they're just they let them pass because for some reason we're in this low tide if you will of 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 the birds not attacking and then they get in the car and and drive off. But Wayne, what have I missed? <laughs> well, it's more of a
0: technical, a technical thing that okay. I think is really clever. Mm-hmm. So Mitch opens the door and mm. we see the family there about to, to exit. There's no door there.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> How did I not notice that? I'm noticing all these other technical things, and I'm missing the fact that the door is not there.
0: This is ingenious. And this is one of the most clever uses of light that I have ever seen. And, again, never noticed, have seen the film several times, did not notice until I saw an extra feature on the DVD.
1: Wow. Rod
0: Rod Taylor, you see him sort of push his hand out to open the door. Uh Uh-huh. And the light sweeps from one side to the other from dark to light to reveal as if it's the door opening or the shadow of the door. So the trick of light moving or revealing the actors Mm -hmm. emulates what it would look like if a door opened, but you've got a subtle hand gesture from Rod Taylor. You've got these light effects and suddenly we believe we see a door opening but there's no door there. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, my God.
0: It's so ingenious. And it's a testament to the type of visual trickery and shortcuts, if you like, although I feel like it would have been more of a shortcut to just have a door. (laughs) right? Why wasn't
1: there a door? Um,
0: That Hitchcock uses throughout Mm -hmm. the film. That scene at the school where the crows are on the playground equipment, they're not all real crows. It's a combination of real crows. Mm -hmm puppetry and cardboard cutouts Mm. but as Hitchcock told a young Veronica Cartwright when she asked him on set won't it look fake he said no if you see a few of the crows moving you believe they're all moving (laughs) and this is why he was so damn good at what he does he I think relished in tricking the audience but also let's face Mm. it it's just an economical and effective way (laughs) Of doing the same thing, sure. right? It just yeah. made perfect sense. But mm-hmm. I love these types of visual tricks that Hitch uses. And again, he's, you know, tied it in with, with green or blue screen, with with puppetry and cutaways and edits and angles and things like that. He's such a visual master. And you can see it here in the birds. There's so many beautiful wide shots, things in silhouette and things like that. It's just a stunning picture to look at. And a Mm -hmm. lot of these visuals and a lot of these scenes appear a lot in popular culture. And as with anything in popular culture, appear in The Simpsons a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure, isn't that shot of the birds that I love so much on the playground, isn't that in The Simpsons?
0: Yeah, I think it I think it is. Yeah. One that I know for sure is when Homer picks up Maggie from daycare in one of the greatest Simpsons oh! episodes ever, by the yes. way. When yes. When Marge is, absolutely. is doing a streetcar named Desire. So the episode is streetcar named Marge. Homer is picking up Maggie. He's very careful because he's wading through all of these babies with dummies in their mouths, making these sound almost like birds. <laughs> it's very eerie and you've also yeah. got a gorgeous gag with one of the greatest characters on television ever Hans Molman who is in a telephone box and there are birds attacking him which is also uh, a nod. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I was I think I you're right I think I was thinking of the uh, the the Maggie at daycare yeah. Uh, scene yeah yeah Iconic. but yes
0: it's been a while since I've thrown a Simpsons uh, mention on this podcast so you're welcome people <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely welcome. Yes, yeah. the more the better.
0: Absolutely, Kendall. Was there any other of the attacks that you wanted to give a nod to or mention? I mean, we've talked about quite a few of them extensively, but any other honourable mentions at all?
1: Yeah, well, I I did want to kind of throw my thoughts on the the town centre one, but mm-hmm. mostly because I just really enjoyed the lead up to it. Yeah. Again, I feel like for some reason it's the way Hitchcock builds to the money shot that Mm -hmm. gets me the most because the entire diner scene was phenomenal. The dialogue was sharp, quick. You're having multiple characters bounce off each other, interact with each other, react to each other, and the performers are, you know, no one misses a beat. It's just everything works. And we're meeting all these different characters for the first time and you get the feeling that they're just like they've always been there you know Mm. even though this is the first time you're seeing it in the movie like they've always been there especially you know you mentioned earlier mrs bundy she was just spectacular and then i did really enjoy the just hysterical mother who just Mm. was so concerned for her kids kept interjecting like it felt like that whole scene it reminded me of like a you know a scene out of a play or a stage performance like the way it was kind of done like the way you kind of have everyone's on stage everyone's contributing and she's sporadically just piping up saying you know my kids are getting scared stop talking about the birds she Um, made me feel tense yeah yeah
0: i I was on edge because of her i felt her anxiety yeah
1: Yeah. oh me too i felt so bad for her and it just kept kind of building and building Mm -hmm. because then like you know Eventually she snaps and she's like, right, i got to get out of this town. Mm -hmm. And she asks that random guy to to lead the way, even though he clearly doesn't want to really help her too much, even though he offered. Mm -hmm. Um, He wants to finish his drink. (laughs) Yeah. He to finish his drink. She's like, no, I want to go now. And the way that they kind of, yeah, do that. And then the way it just kind of hits its peak after the attack, when they walk back in, Uh, Melanie and Mitch walk back into the diner and it's desolate and I was thinking where the hell is everyone it's safer to stay inside like Mm. come on but then they go around the corner and they see all of the people that are there mostly women I noticed which Mm. I thought was cool but yeah that scene of just silence and then just the mother coming forward and immediately accusing Melanie and kind of giving credence to you know the, those of us who ha- who thought something suspicious maybe of Melanie or at least the townspeople have been thinking something suspicious about her it's kind of confirmed in this moment of like this started happening when you got here it's your fault you're evil like I loved that and she's staring you down mm. she's staring the you know it, it was such an interesting choice to have her looking down the lens of the camera and I kind of liked it as well just because it reminds me of I guess a lot of modern horror films where they kind of have this moment going into the third act of like, okay, this is the reveal. This is what's causing everything. Right. But then the movie never does it. And I think I kind of give it more credit for not giving into that trope. To be Mm -hmm. honest, I love the fact that it's never explained. I love the fact that it's just, it just happens and that's it. And it's just the, the very stressed and worried. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, worried ramblings of a, of a of a poor mother who's just trying to abate her fears somehow by putting the blame on someone yeah. else you know otherwise the alternative is much more scary so yeah I really really loved the way you know I mean it, it was so cool the way it kind of climaxed with the explosion and with the fire and mm. with the, the hysteria everywhere like it looked it was visually stunning the way they pulled it off mm. but that build up to that for me yeah I adored it yeah. i adored it
0: quite a bit yeah yeah it's a, it's a remarkable sequence but i have to say all of the boat attacks are quite remarkable regardless of, of very um, true you know of, of their scale Um. also when mm-hmm. we see the aftermath as well of bird attacks like how we mentioned that really confronting reveal of mr fawcett
1: yeah as well.
0: and then we get the sad death of annie yeah, I love Danny. We haven't really talked oh, much about her, but no. such a gorgeous character played beautifully by Suzanne Pleshette. And I just, yeah, I love the character. Again, to talk about somebody who meets somebody with suspicion. She's not so sure about Melanie, maybe a little bit jealous because she had feelings for Mitch, one time lover as well, mm-hmm. who just couldn't, Win over Lydia. (laughs) But I don't know. She's kind of like, you know, the Rizzo from Greece in this story. Give me a bit of Rizzo vibes.
1: (laughs) Which I loved. Which
0: I loved. But yeah, her death saddened me, especially when we learned she died protecting children protecting, you know, Kathy and her friend as well. So, yeah, great character there, I think. And like how you had mentioned before her scene with Melanie and where they're just sort of two girls hanging out, um, they've got this common interest in Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite quite sweet. It's really quite Mm. sweet. There's so many things to love about The birds. It's quite remarkably well made. Look, mixed reviews at the time. It's got more appreciation over time and as we said some of the sequences are iconic not a perfect movie as we've sort of pointed out a few things that might be a little bit questionable but Mm -hmm. I think in terms of the way it handles its action sequences and its visuals the visual Mm -hmm. style and the way that this story is being told I think can't be denied and that goes to Hitchcock like it's it's all him it's him Mm -hmm. in control so for a long time The movie's been quite revered. However, we're now in contemporary times and we Mm -hmm. reflect on things a little bit differently. So, Kendall, Mm -hmm. do you know much about the controversial elements of the making of The Bodes?
1: I I don't know the full story. I am very much aware of the very poor treatment Tippi Hedren received from Alfred Hitchcock whilst Mm -hmm. making the film. I mean, this was her theatrical debut, was it not? Yeah. Yeah, her first film, her first time acting in a, in a major motion picture, and she's working under Hitchcock, and that's insane. What a credit to have to your name as your first mm. credit. But I was so shocked to just hear, like, I don't, I can't remember any of the specifics of, of it, but I just, you know, remember hearing about how upset poor Tippi was, mm. how much he upset her during filming and ha- what he subjected her to to try. I think, didn't he, like, put her through certain... Like, he kind he wanted to get uh, the right reaction from her, and I think he... Didn't he kind of try and put her in real scenarios, sort of, or, like, mm-hmm. do something like that to kind of evoke a legitimate fright from her?
0: Yeah, I think, I think the most infamous or the most known situation that Mm -hmm. appears on screen is the final attack on Melanie. So where she's up in that, I guess it's an attic. um, She's up in that space Mm -hmm. and yeah, there was multiple takes there and she was getting real birds thrown at her. And so they would scratch her and peck at her to the point oh, nice. that I think it was after that sequence she was so ill that she had to take three days off from exhaustion. Yeah. yeah so the moment after that scene when Mitch and Lydia rescue her and Mitch is carrying Melanie down the stairs to, to sort of tend to her, that's a body double because...
1: I had a feeling. Yeah,
0: because Tippy's is yeah. uh, having some rest. So, yeah, so that was, I feel like that was kind of the final straw in terms, in terms of the production. Yeah. So it is unfortunate. And these stories didn't come to light until after Hitchcock's death. So he was never to tell his side of the story. He probably would not have told his side of the story. With all those witnesses, probably not, Yeah, (laughs) you know you'd probably not really say anything. So Tippi Hedren comes from the angle that she believed that Hitchcock was obsessed with her wow. and he selected her because he had seen her in a commercial. And he said to, to one of his colleagues, get me the girl for him. She was the one that was going to be his new leading lady, Grace mm-hmm. Kelly married a prince and was no longer his leading lady. Mm.
1: <laughs> the beautiful
0: <laughs> Grace Kelly. Um, mm. So he needed a new blonde to be his leading lady. And he thought that would be Tippi Hedren. And he trained her. He was her drama coach. He taught oh, her wow. what she knew. So she was really under his tuition.
1: Wow.
0: It becomes problematic, according to Ms. Hedren, when he makes sexual advances towards her and she rejects those advances. Yeah. And he becomes obsessive over her and wanting to control a lot of elements about her, including the way she looks and how she appears in public and so forth, because he's grooming her to be the star that he wants in his movies, essentially according to her. Mm -hmm. She's a single mother. She's got her daughter, the lovely Melanie Griffith is Mm -hmm. her daughter. And, you know, that can be used as a way to intimidate somebody, to to get them to to go your way, I suppose. But she keeps saying no. It was intense for her, but she did learn a lot. She was under a seven-picture deal with him,
1: and she made
0: a second movie with him called Marnie. Okay, um, I actually haven't seen this movie, but I'd really like to see it because it's a Hitchcock film. <laughs> so, you you <laughs> hope it, you, you know, you, you come in with expectations that it's going to be good. And we know mm-hmm. that Tippi Hedren is such a captivating performer. Uh, mm. This is her first movie and you can't take your eyes off her. And she's a really good actor. Uh, so, you know, in a second film, she, she'll probably be even better. But I think it became a bit too much for her on the set of Marnie. She got so fed up with him that she called him a fat pig to really deter him away from her because she'd had enough. And he got very offended by that and was treating her poorly. Oh, no. Ultimately, she said to him, I want out of my contract. Yeah. And he said no. Studios would contact him saying, hey, can we borrow Tippi for this? This is the studio system. And he said she's unavailable. Hmm. And she got paid her weekly wage and did not make another film until she was released from a contract. I don't think it lasted the full seven years. I think it was, he sort of kept her hanging on for about three more years, but by then people weren't really looking at Tippi Hedren anymore. They'd moved on. Mm. So the momentum of leading lady, a list star began to, to, to filter away, I suppose. And Mm. You know, if, you, if she's asked about it these days, I think just shows what a class act she is because she did go to Hitchcock's funeral and wow. this uh, I saw an interview and they were surprised and she said, I went to pay tribute to the artist. She said, you know, it was not easy to work with. He was horrible to work with. But on the other hand, he was my drama coach. He taught me what I knew.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, he was incredibly inappropriate. But on the other hand, I can't deny his contributions to the art of filmmaking. Yeah. So um. that's a very brief overview about him and her and their dynamics and relationship. The making of The Birds uh, was captured in a really good HBO BBC film called The Girl. And, oh. yeah, it's it's really good. It covers the entire production of The Birds, but it focuses more on the negative sides of it and, again, Tippi Hedren will acknowledge this. She goes, that's just a portion of the whole story. It focuses on the inappropriate nature of of Hitchcock towards Hedren. Yeah, she's always sort of trying to balance the two. She doesn't shit on him completely. She acknowledges the good parts about their working relationship and she acknowledges the really nasty bits as well. Yeah. Um, You can't sometimes help but associate the film with the backstory and the behind the scenes. For me personally, Hedron just comes off the best out of everyone because not only does she do an amazing performance, but she remains really humble and just a class act after the fact, reflecting on it and just speaking about it and being really open about it. So taking the film as it is, I can separate the two. The, mm-hmm. the behind the scenes stuff and the final product, because I'm here to engage with the final product. And I can't yeah. help because I've had seen the film a few times before knowing the backstory. You can't sort of brush away <laughs> your initial impressions and so forth. But Kendall, do you think that the the legacy of the birds, the final product might be diminished because the backstory and behind the scenes, Happenings is so well known now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there's a million other stories that kind of calls to mind. But for me, it also kind of just makes me think of the way Stanley Kubrick treated Shelley Duvall on the The Shining. You yeah. know, similar kind of terrible experience for a female lead by a director. But it's so hard, and especially in this day and age, you know, where we have the Me Too movement, we mm. have Time's Up, we have women who are able to now get things done in terms of speaking out and speaking up and action being brought against those who abuse them Mm. and harass them. Yeah. Looking at it with a modern lens, it's so hard to kind of separate art from artists. Sometimes I find it difficult depending on the subject matter, depending on who Mm -hmm. it is and and depending on what I'm watching and, and depending on the situation as well. But I think, for a film like The Birds and for, for look, for Hitchcock, like, and the same, even just same with Stanley Kubrick, like, I mean, separating, I think separating, you know, the, the men from mm. what they made, sometimes we just have to kind of do that just in terms of, because of how influential Hitchcock has been on mm. cinema as a whole, not just the horror genre, but yeah. on yeah. cinema, it's hard to reconcile it, it all safely, but I think, just in terms of the birds, because like you just mentioned, and I agree with you, Tippi Hedron really comes out of it super mm-hmm. positive. She's clearly a very level-headed and intelligent woman who knows how to live her life correctly and, and process things in a healthy way. And, and the fact that she was so respectful of the situation, like understanding that, yes, well, I don't agree with how he treated me, I understand what he did for cinema Mm. and I was, I'm a part of that. And I have as awful as he was from an artistic perspective, I owe him a lot. So Mm. it's, so she was able to balance that kind of thing. And I think because Tippy can, because she's the woman at the center of this abuse that she, she suffered, I think because she can whistle past this or, you know, at least acknowledge it and set it aside. I think the rest of us should be able to, too. And I don't think that really hurts uh, the birds' uh, legacy in cinema history. I mean, it's it's it, you can't really not think about it, mm. especially when you are, like you said, when you're watching that final scene of her being just this onslaught of birds after birds. I didn't even realise that there were real birds
0: mm-hmm. in
1: there because I was so used to seeing the puppets yeah. and the fake yeah. birds the fact that I didn't realize they were real, like it's just, it's just awful, but, but yeah, it's, but I don't think it, yeah. So I don't think it ruins the legacy of, of the film or at least the impact of the film or my, even my enjoyment of the film, because again, because if the person who has suffered this abuse has, has, you know, moved on with that, has made peace with it, mm. and done so in such a professional manner. I think then the rest of us should be able to do the same. So, yeah.
0: agreed. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. So, Kendall, it leads us to the mm. big question of the podcast. Mm. Your final thoughts and a score out of five for the birds.
1: <sighs> for the birds. Yeah. Look, I'm so glad to have finally seen this film I mean I felt the same after I saw Psycho Mm -hmm. because you know these are these are movies that people will be talking about forever just in terms of influence and in terms of enjoyment and what they do for the genre and from a creative artistic standpoint you know it's just there's so many different things you can take away Mm -hmm. from this film and how it could influence you or not influence you but there's no denying that it's it's there and it's, you know, its its legacy is very much alive today, almost 60 years later. There's not a lot of bad things to say about the birds. I mean, we have covered a, a few little nitpicks throughout, you know, certain questions over real versus fake in terms of effects and, you know, just and the, the pacing of the beginning and just how much that's kind of, you know, that could have been trimmed maybe. Mm. And for me, again, how much the movie kind of feels like two different films when you split it between the beginning and, and the rest of it. But apart from that, like, there's just, there's just a lot to love. I mean, the performances we've, uh, we've been going on and on, they're just so great. The fact that Hitchcock was able to get this kind of a performance out of Tippy Hedren for her first film. I mean, ha, hello. I mean, you know, it's, it speaks to his talents as well as hers. You know, he yeah. obviously saw something in her and was able to flesh it out more and give her this great performance that she, you know, was able to give to us. So, and she's such a great screen presence. And as I said earlier, she has such great chemistry with Rod Taylor. I adore the romance between Mitch and Melanie. It's wonderful. I honestly could have just watched a movie about the two of them getting together and having a <laughs> romantic weekend. Like I liked that movie as well, you know, but I'm glad we got what we got. Jessica Tandy as as Lydia is just you. I also have to agree what you said it earlier. She has the best character development over the film. And I love the way that's done through the relationship with Melanie. We go from the first time she sees Melanie and she can't stop looking at her in this very judgmental, very just, yeah. I don't like you. You're here to take my niche away, you know, <laughs> to that wonderful scene when she's when Lydia is recovering from seeing what she saw and, give it and giving an incredible performance. But we get that lovely scene afterwards of, of Melanie coming to comfort her and proving to Lydia that she's, she's not just some blonde bimbo from San Francisco, you mm. know. She genuinely cares about people and she cares about her. And I just love the way that Jessica Tandy delivers that kind of monologue as she's going through the motions and then coming back to, is Kathy okay? Like repeatedly, she keeps coming back to that, which then of course, you know, prompts Melanie to go and fetch her from school. But I love that that kind of bonds them. And then the final scene that we get in the car where we've got a a very injured Melanie and she is embraced by Lydia and the two of them they share this exchange of this realization of like 36 hours ago this would not have happened yeah because of the way the both of them are especially Lydia and then they both just have this moment where they look at each other and acknowledge that and then smile at each other because they're like no, this is nice. This is mm. good. We've worked past the issues. Lydia has worked past the issues. And I love the way that that's just kind of communicated without any dialogue. I think that's very cool. I have to mention what you said, but we have not really mentioned Annie at mm. all, <laughs> which is a shame because she's probably my favourite character in the movie, right. to be honest. I really enjoyed Suzanne's performance as Annie in this. It was, it was very, very good. I just, she had, again... I mean, all these actors have such presence, but mm. she just really, there was something about her and the way she carried herself and the way she dressed and the way she acted. And I just, I don't know, I just really was fascinated by it. And I couldn't stop looking at her. And like I'm this Tippy Hedron being beautiful in every sense of the word. And then there's Suzanne just looking just looking like she does. And, you know, gorgeous, obviously. Mm. But I just could I was just like. My eyes were just on her every time. Like, I just loved the way she delivered her dialogue and communicated the history between her and Mitch. Again, that scene of the two women in the, in the living room was just superbly acted and written. I love that. I wanted more of that. That would have been nice. But I was, yeah, so I was very, very sad to see that she fell victim to the birds. But as you said, you know, went out protecting the kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. So that was emotional. I have to give a shout out to Veronica Cartwright only because Alien is my favorite horror film <laughs> of all time. And I didn't know she was in this as a young, a young actor. And yeah, she gave a great performance as well as Kathy. I, th- I thought the makings of a, of a very talented woman in her youth. Yeah, um,
0: she uh, celebrated her 13th birthday during production.
1: Oh bless. This is quite oh. sweet.
0: Yeah.
1: That's so nice. That's so nice. I wonder if they were able to use the props from her birthday party as her I, birthday party. I,
0: I feel like her birthday party behind the scenes was a lot more extravagant than the one in front of
1: the camera. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Good point. Good point. Good point. But yeah, this film just yeah, it's just this so many wonderful things about it. And I, you know, I could go on and on and on. The way that the horror is done is just I don't need to reiterate my passion for it <laughs> like I like I did earlier but I am I was I'm just floored by the superbness of of the way the horror is is portrayed the way the suspense and the tension is done on screen it's so good one final critique to end my very long summary <laughs> the the ending felt a little abrupt I was expecting maybe a happily ever after scene or an explanation of, and the birds have left Bodega Bay or, you know, another radio broadcast voiceover maybe, Mm. or just, or a final attack. Like I just, but as abrupt as it was, it still kind of works for the movie because it just kind of adds to the, the what the hell, why did Mm. these birds attack? And we'll never know why. So, yeah, but it was, it did feel a little bit abrupt, but other than that, yeah, I'm so happy that I finally, seen this movie so thank you Wayne for for giving giving me the opportunity to see the birds I'm going to give it four stars out of five
0: well Hitchcock's follow-up to Psycho one of the greatest horror movies ever made
1: Mm. how do you top
0: that well you probably can't but that's okay (laughs) it's a high it's a very high bar to reach but you know what he probably comes close with the birds Just reiterating what I've said, and Kendall, you've said so much of what I've been thinking as well. I just can't get over how well the characters are fleshed out in this film. I like most of the dialogue and the exchanges between the characters. I think we learn a lot about them. I like the fact that we never really know why the birds suddenly decided to randomly start attacking and how we have different birds of different feathers flocking together. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. It does does not happen. Well, apparently it does. (laughs) So there you go. Ms. Bundy. (laughs) But I I like the mystery behind them because it does feel, you're right. It feels so random. I mean, I guess it all calmed down after the epic attack on Melanie in the attic at the end. I think I like the way it ends better than you do. Um, there's something a bit scary and ominous about it because they're not 100% calmed down. They still peck at Mitch um, when he puts mm. a foot or a hand out of place. Mm. So it's kind of saying we've got this resolution, but it's not so neat and tidy. Just because you're getting away, it doesn't mean you're safe. Got the dynamic of the four people in the car. And we feel like there's at least a tight unit, and Melanie and and Lydia finally making peace with one another. All Melanie had to do was endure multiple attacks (laughs) for Lydia to get her her approval.
1: (laughs) Wow! Yeah, no, you you make a fair point. (laughs) Yeah,
0: enough to you know earn Lydia's respect. by doing much, did she? (laughs) But you know what? I love the way that the characters engage with one another in this film. They all feel quite real. They feel like real people. And some of the drawn-out sequences, I guess, emphasise that realness, that sort of natural quality. For me, it's the boat attacks, the boat sequences. I am invested 100%. And time dictates that we can spot certain techniques more now, but I'm okay with that. If you're invested in the characters, if you believe the world that you are in, you will buy it, you will be engrossed by it, you are there. <laughs> and I think Hitchcock is too much of a clever director to not invite you into his world here either invites you or drags you in, and you've got <laughs> no, no hope but to, to endure what his characters are enduring. And they survive and they thrive. It's the investment in the characters, in their relationships, and it's the investment of the techniques implemented to really make us believe that these birds are attacking and are a genuine threat. For me, what stops this film being the perfect movie is that opening, unfortunately. For me, it just takes a bit too long. And yes, whilst I appreciate that it's there so you're invested in the characters, especially Melanie and Mitch, so that you believe their love story and that you want them to succeed, I can see that it could be done more economically. So a bit of trimming would have just made it that little bit snappier. And I'm not saying it so that we get to the action quicker, I'm okay with when the action happens, but it's what you do beforehand. I think that really matters. So for me, the film begins on wobbly feet. It stands up straight at the halfway mark, and then it runs to the finish line um, and gets the gold medal at the end. So for me, I give the birds a very high four out of five.
1: Wonderful.
0: Well, Kendall, thank you for joining me on this Halloween. It wasn't so scary because you were here to hold my hand. Yes, we're in separate <laughs> studios, but the virtual hand holding was yes. appreciated. So thank you so much.
1: Uh, likewise, Maine. It's a pleasure as always, especially getting to talk horror movies with you. There's nothing yeah. better honest?
0: I agree. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, I can't wait till next Halloween. I wonder what, mm-hmm. what I'm going to have in store for you. Hmm,
1: let's see. I can't wait.
0: I <laughs> Maybe can't another wait. creature feature. Why not?
1: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Let's do it. Maybe. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll roll the dice and, and see what happens. And we'll huddle together next time and survive Halloween together. No doubt.
1: <laughs> I'm sure we will.
0: <laughs> so until then, I've been a Wayne Stellini.
1: And I've been a Kendall Richardson.
0: And you've just experienced Fred Watch.
1: Here music Ohilla bird bird of the bird's the word I will a bird burp and the birds the word a will a bird 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 the birds the word Oh dear Oh dear And that's my cue to Shh and sing
0: Pre-show shenanigans. Recording on Zoom. Okay. Great. So um, with the run sheet, normally when it's Halloween, I'll link it to our theme. Um, and I was initially going to go about animal phobias because I know of yours. And then I've just thought, nah. And I've literally, my note is, Kendall says
1: something. <laughs> Before yeah, you. <laughs> well, when I open... When I opened it and I was reading through it and I was like, he's forgotten a the thing there. And I was like, what's that about? Okay, so so I, I don't have to say like, could I just say the usual, like, happy to be here etc? <laughs> you or? can, yes. Okay. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay.
0: Because I've given you such explicit direction, haven't I? Kendall says something.
1: <laughs> say something, damn it! <laughs> purple monkey dishwasher <laughs> yes look
0: it's enough look now we all know how much purple monkey dishwasher can be offensive yeah. to protesting teachers but we're okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oops. whoops i shouldn't trigger <laughs>
0: no mind you i feel like you're trying to trigger because you're wearing purple at the moment <laughs>
1: no this is this is this is green isn't it i don't know
0: <laughs> thought you were messing with me because we're gonna be like The colour looks stunning on you, I do have to say. Oh,
1: thank you. I love purple.
0: Yeah, I do love it. Thank you. Especially if it's a purple monkey doing my dishes. Yes.
1: (laughs) That is like peak, peak, peak purple.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) We are so tired. Um, (laughs) I know. It's the end of the week. It's the weekend tomorrow. And we're just blabbering on. And it's, it's been, all it's on recording.
0: <laughs> it's been weeks. What do you it's want been from
1: weeks. me? I <laughs> know. <laughs> hey, no, no, I'm just, I'm just here to have a good time.
0: <laughs> Same. Same. Well, I'm hoping for a good discussion. Hoping for a good discussion.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm Alrighty. really excited to talk to talk to you about this one. So let's, yes. let's do
0: it. So are we ready to rock?
1: Ready. Okay.
0: Blooper reel. So,
1: wait, can you please divulge to the listeners what we're going to be reviewing today
0: well today's film is Alfred Hitchcock's 1963 classic The Birds*.
1: I almost forgot to intro you again <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at this
0: <laughs> I was going to say something but I but you did it so quickly that I've just gone nah way nah <laughs> Um, so clearly, okay. the direction on the run sheet. Kendall said something. It's just not clear enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> We're hysterical. All right. Yep. Let's get into this. Ah. Okay.
0: So it's Daphne Demore. Mor- Morier.
1: Mor- de Maurier. Du Morier. De Maurier.
0: Okay. Let's try Daphne de Maurier. Daphne de Maurier. Du Maurier. De M- de M- de no, I say Maurier. I'm doing I'm double doing double E. De Maurier.
1: Yeah, correct. De okay. Maurier.
0: <clears throat> de Maurier. Okay.
1: De Mourier.
0: Surely I'll get it right the first time. De
1: <laughs> Hey look, you're not gonna be as bad <laughs> as one Philip on um what was the film again? Zulu. Zulu, that's right. Nothing will ever top that.
0: No. I mean, we came close, and when I say we, I mean he. (laughs) Came close to beating his own record.
1: (laughs) He did. He definitely did. Oh, Lord. Bless him.
0: Yeah. Okay. Smitten with one another, Melanie and Mitch begin a coy courtship but are threatened by a series of unprovoked burghatons. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> the, berg's. the bergs we're reviewing the bergs <laughs> love it
0: smitten with one another melanie and mitch begin a coy courtship but are threatened by a series of unprovoked bird oh <laughs> <make this> <laughs>
1: I can't wait to listen to this blue for real. <laughs> okay, all right.
0: Um, I'm going to you... just cover your face. <laughs> screen.
1: Okay. No, no. How about how about I just I move off screen?
0: No, you stay on screen. You stay on screen. That's fine. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Partially based on a true story, as well as Daphne Du Dumorier Dumorier
1: Dumorier Okay i'm watching i'm watching the birds i'm not watching melanie um and oh bloody hell what's his name mitch mitch my god excuse me true and i feel like melanie is someone who doesn't really have too much time or she has sorry i was literally just thinking the same thing like it's it's, it's so crazy that hitchcock goes from the year before
0: mm-hmm.
1: or sorry not the year before
0: your final thoughts and a score out of five for the
1: birds. <gasps> for the birds. Oh well, a bird, bird, bird. The, the bird's the word. Um, so, feel free to edit that out. Um, <laughs> save it for the uh,
0: save it for the credits.
1: <laughs> save it for the credits. Oh yeah, why did I not
0: even think of that?
1: Eva!